help us to get something from your Bible, Lord, and, and, and that we would learn something from your scriptures. And Father, uh, you know that we all have very, very busy weeks and things that we need to do, Lord. And, and I so appreciate it that people would take time uh, in the middle of the week to come to church, Father. And I, I want them to get something from the Word tonight. I pray you'd help their ears to uh, listen, help them to be attentive, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Exodus chapter number 2. And last week we preached through the first chapter of Exodus. And, and really, the first chapter of Exodus uh, was really the introduction uh, of Exodus and kind of laying down the, the, the scenario there. We talked about how Joseph died and the generation after Joseph died and uh, the uh, children of Israel began to grow and they formed a nation now, a, 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 a massive group of people. And Pharaoh decided that uh, there was too many of them and he was afraid that they would join up with their enemies and that because of that they would fight against the Egyptians. If you look at the last verse of chapter 1, the Bible says, uh, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. And you remember that first he told the midwives, and he said, Midwives, when, they, when you see and there, there's a child born of, of the Hebrew women, you kill that child. And the midwives uh, did not fear Pharaoh, but they feared God. And God protected them, and God helped them. And then Pharaoh makes this decree to everyone, and he says, Look, I want the male children thrown into the river. I want them dead. I don't want them to live. Now look, that, that's a very stressful time. Would you not agree? I mean, wouldn't you think that that would be a very hard... I mean, could you imagine if we lived in the United States of America, and someone said, you know, as far as... If you're a Christian, you know... Uh, if you have a male-born son, he's going to be drowned in the river. We don't want... There's too many of you Christians around. That's really what was happening to these people. These, you know, the, they, they were set apart. They weren't afraid of them because they were Hebrews in the sense that they were physical Jews. Because keep in mind, these people, they had no nation. They had no army. What they were really afraid of was their religion, I believe. They were afraid of their God is what they were afraid of. And, and we'll, you know, develop that as we go through Exodus. But I, I want you to notice something. And, and something that... We as Christians need to understand, if you're going to continue and be successful and accomplish something in the Christian life, you know, uh, oftentimes we'll say, the, the Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's something you want to end. It's something you want to be in for years, for decades. It's something you want to do for a, a long time. You don't want to say, I used to do church. I used to be faithful. I used to be a soul winner. I used to read the Bible. You, you want to be able to end your life like Paul said and said, you know, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's really how you want to end. But something that you got to understand is that when it comes to Christianity, and there's a few points I want to share with you from the passage tonight. Point number one is, is I, I want you to notice Moses' parents. Moses' parents. And the first thing I notice when I read this, I think to myself, Pharaoh, who's the most powerful man on earth at this time, just said, every time a child is born of the Hebrews, if it's a male, throw him in the river. That's what he said in verse 22. Now in verse 1 of chapter 2, what you got to understand, this is the same context. We put the, you know, we divided the Bible into chapters and verses, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we did that to be able to get to different places quickly. But verse 1 of chapter 2 is in the context of verse 22 of chapter 1. 
And in verse 22, Pharaoh says, No more male children, no more families, cast them into the river. And in verse 1, the Bible says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. Now don't just read over that. Sometimes I think we read the Bible and we just read that, Oh, there's a man of Levi. you got to understand, there's a lot that goes into getting married. Do you understand that? I mean, this, this man of Levi took to wife, which means he met a young lady, which means he dated a young lady, which means he took her on a first date, probably, I don't know, and which means they talked, which means they, uh, he probably, there was a time when he met his, her um, father and mother, there was a time when maybe she met his father and mother, there, there was a time when they, uh, when, when they maybe went on a date, when they went out, you know, had something to eat, when, when they, they, there was a time there where they, they developed a relationship, they, 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 uh, you know, there was a proposal made. There was maybe a ring exchange. You know, in our in our you know way of thinking, there was an engagement period. There was a wedding. The Bible tells you know all of that goes into verse one. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. Look at verse two. And the woman conceived. They began a family and bear a son. Now keep in mind, this is all in the context of the most powerful man saying, if the Hebrew children, uh, uh, you know, Hebrew families have a male child, put him in the river. And in that same context, there was a man who was a Hebrew who said, you know what, I'm not going to just finish ending my, you know. And here's, here's what frustrates me sometimes about Christianity, is that when anytime anything happens in our life, we just shut down. I can't, I can't deal with the stress. I can't deal with this. I, I can't do this. You know, but that's not the Christianity we find in the Bible. In the Bible, you find a young man who Pharaoh just said, you better not start a family because I'm going to kill your children. And he said, you know what? I'm still going to go and find a girlfriend and find a, a, a fiancé and get married and fall in love and have children. And, and let me tell you, there's something about the Christian life where the Holy Spirit allows you to have some peace and some grace where even in times of great stress, you can say, I will still live my life. And praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord that as Christians, you know, we don't say, oh, Obama's ruining the country, and, and the Democrats, and the Republicans, and the election, and, and Mitt Romney, and blah, 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 and all, you know. And we don't just spin out of control. We can say, hey, I can still raise kids. I can still love my wife. I can still go to work. I can still live a life and be successful and great. And that's what he did. I love that. Verse 22, Pharaoh says, no more children. Verse 1, he says, I'm going to go get married. That's great. Praise the Lord for it. Not only that, verse 2, and the woman conceived and bare her son. And when she saw him, that he was a, I want you to notice this, goodly child. She hid him three months. Now look, I don't know about you, but I think every mother looks at their baby and decides, this is a goodly child. But I, 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 I love this. The Bible emphasizes that she saw her child and she saw that he was a goodly child. Now, real quickly, keep your finger there in Exodus chapter 2. And go with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter number 11. Towards the end of your New Testament, Hebrews 11. <clears throat> it's after 1st and 2nd you know, Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as the, the hall of faith. And it's referred to as the hall of faith because all through it God explains for us all these different Bible characters who 
exercised great faith and did wonderful things. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, and you look at verse number 23, I want you to notice what the Bible says. And here we begin to talk about uh, Moses. If you look at verse 22, it talks about Joseph. And in verse 23, it, it, it talks about Moses, but really it's talking about Moses' father and mother. It says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hit three months of his parents. Look what it says. Here's why... He was hit three months already. Because they saw he was a proper child. Do you see that? In Exodus 2, it's emphasized for us that his mother saw he was a goodly child. In Hebrews 11, it tells us that it's emphasized that his parents saw that he was a proper child. Let me tell you something. And you can just keep a bulletin or something there in Hebrews 11 because we're coming back to it. You can go back to Exodus. But here's what I think is amazing. Is that these parents... During a time when they weren't supposed to have children, were not supposed to have male children, they have a male son and they look at him and they say, Wow, he's a goodly child. Wow, he's a proper child. And I don't think they were just saying, Wow, look at our son, he's so cute. I'm sure they said that. But I, I think these people were looking at their son and they, and they had a vision. They had a vision and they said, Something can come from this child. He's a very goodly child. He's a proper child. Go with me real quickly. Go with me to Psalm. Let me show you something. Psalm 45. Psalms 45. Look at verse 16. This is one of my favorite verses when it comes to child rearing. Psalms 45, verse 16. Let me tell you something. The Bible says in Psalm 45, 16, it says, Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children. And I want you to see this. Psalm 45, 16. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children. Look what it says. Whom thou... Who's the Bible referring to? You and I. He says, Whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. You see that? The Bible says that the mom and dad of a child have the ability to make that child a prince in all the earth. See, sometimes we think, well, our kid, well, you know, we're born into poverty, we're born into not, you know, we weren't born with a, a silver smooth, uh, what is it, spoon in our mouth, and we're not born into the lap of luxury. But you know, the Bible says that parents have the ability to make their children princes. And by the way, let me tell you this. Parents have the ability to set their children, you know, really set up their children for failure. And it's really how you raise them. But it's really the vision you have for your kids. See, if you have a vision for your kids and you say, my kid, and this is what I believe, Moses' parents, they saw him and they said, he's a proper child. He's a good child. They said there's a future for him. They said there's something he can do. And, and, they, and they had enough faith to, to see that even as a child. And they were willing to risk their own lives to say, we're going to hide him for three months. Even when the Pharaoh says that he should be killed because they saw a vision. They said, we can, see, we can do something with him. And let me ask you something. You think they did something great with Moses? But see, they saw that when he was just a little baby. See, you and I, we want, we would lo- I'd love to raise a child that was a, a man like Moses in the Bible. But see, that doesn't happen by mistake. That doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't just happen. These people, when he was a baby, they recognized they had an opportunity. They said he's a proper child. He's a goodly child. There's an opportunity here to do something for God. Look at verse 3. She obviously hid him for three months. I had a water somewhere, but I don't know where it went. Is there water back there somewhere? If there's not, don't worry about it. Fred, that's a, a bottled water. If not, don't worry about it, brother. It's fine. 
But if you, if you look at verse 3, obviously she has a baby. You know, when you have a newborn baby, they just sit there. That's all they do. You know? So that's pretty easy. That's my imitation of a baby. That's what they do. They do other things, but we won't go into that. But, you know, after about three months, you know, they begin to do things. They begin to... I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. They begin to do things. They begin to um, cry and stuff. And uh, in verse 3, look what it says. It says, And when she could, not, she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Don't, don't, just read that. Under, I want you to understand something. Look what it says. Verse 4, And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw that the, the ark among the flags, she sent her maids to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Skip down real quick to verse number... Uh, uh, go down to verse number 11. Look what it says. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown... Uh, no, that's not the verse I wanted. Uh, go to verse... 10. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. Here's why she called him Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now, I want you to, I, I want you to get this. Don't miss two things. I said, number one, I wanted you to see Moses' parents. Number two, I'd like you to see Moses' protection. Moses' protection. I want you to understand something. And here's why the Christians ought to have a peace in life. Where even when the whole world is falling apart around them, they can walk through that storm and they can walk and say, hey, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose, I've got a God. And they can deal with it. Here's why. Let me let me explain something. If you look at verse 22, the Bible says, And Pharaoh, okay, who's Pharaoh? King of what? Egypt. Egypt. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys know that. Good. And Pharaoh, who's an Egyptian, right? Charged all his people saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And I want you to notice, how were they supposed to kill the children? How? They were cast into the what? River. You understand what I'm saying? There's supposed to be drowned. Here's what I love about God. The two things that the devil and the world and the enemy uses to kill life, to destroy life. What was it? The river and the Egyptians are the two things that he used to deliver Moses. Did you catch that? Look at verse, look at verse 4 again. Or verse 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it in slime with pitch and put the child there and she laid it in the flax. Look what it says. Where did she put him? In the river's brink. That's where she was supposed to kill him. But that's where she put him. And that's where he was delivered. He was supposed to be killed by Egyptians. And who rescues him? Verse 4. And his sister stood afar off to wait what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. The daughter of who? Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the where? River. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maids to fetch it. And when she had opened it and saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had what? Compassion. You see that? She had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Now look. The Hebrew children are being put to death by the Egyptians at the river. Moses is rescued by the Egyptians at a river. You understand how powerful that is? Here there is, you know, I can promise you all 
Throughout Egypt, there's young Hebrew couples saying, we're not having children. This is too tough of a world to bring children into. Who's ever heard somebody say that? I've heard so many people say that to me. I'm not bringing children into this world, it's too hard. Well, is it as hard as being threatened that your child is going to be put to death? But yet these people, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, moved by faith and trusted in God enough to say, I don't care what Pharaoh says, I don't care what the world says, we will still live our lives the way God wants, we will still marry, we will still have children, we will still have Bible time, we will still pray, we will still walk, we will still do right, we'll live our lives not in fear, but in God, and in God. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? The one thing that Satan thought, I've got now. When I, I just imagine, you know, I, I, I just imagine this in my head. When they put Jesus on that cross, the one thing that was supposed to destroy him, kill him, get him out of the scene, get him to not be productive, get him to not be, you know, the, the devil and his minions were just rejoicing saying, we caught him. We killed him now. And the one thing they were using to destroy him is the one thing that God used to bring victory. Let me tell you something. The world is going to attack. But do you believe in a God powerful enough to take that thing that's supposed to destroy you and turn it around to make you successful? See, but here's the problem. Most of us walk around in a bunch of fear all the time. My world's falling apart. Everyone's world's falling apart. I've got financial heartache. Let me just explain something to you. Everyone has financial heartache. You know, I'm so depressed. I don't know if you know this. Everyone's depressed. <laughs> and so, you just gotta, you say, well, what do I do? Just keep on living. Amen. Just keep on walking. Just do the same thing today that you did yesterday. Or, or maybe, you know, you ought to change because what you did yesterday wasn't very good. But keep living. Amen. Keep walking. Just don't live in fear. We saw number one, Moses' parents. We saw number two, Moses' protection. Number three, I'd like you to see Moses' payment. Not only did God use the river that was supposed to kill Moses to deliver Moses, and the Egyptians that were supposed to kill Moses to deliver Moses, but look look at verse uh, 6. And when she had opened it, talking about Pharaoh's daughter, and saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, this is Moses' sister, because remember, when the mother put Moses in the river, his sister was afar off, and she was just kind of watching and make sure that everything went okay. Verse 7, Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? So obviously it's a very young child, and he still needs to be nursed. Still needs to be fed. You know, back in those days they didn't have formula. Praise God. And um, so they, they're nursing him. And it was very common if there was a mother who wasn't able to nurse, another mother who was able to would nurse that child. And he's like, ah, that's weird. That happens today. Mothers who can't nurse, they, you know, they have women that donate, you know, milk and you can use another. You know, it's totally healthy, whatever. So Miriam says to Pharaoh's daughter, hey, you want me to go get uh, a nurse? For this child? So, so because someone's got to feed the child. Look at verse 8. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go! And the maid went and called the child's... Who did, who did she call? The child's mother. Do you see that? So, Miriam says, Hey, 
Is it? You're going to raise this baby. You need somebody to nurse him. You want me to go get one of the Hebrew women so they can nurse him? And she says, sure, go find one. So she says, she just goes to Moses' mom. Says, hey, they need someone to nurse your child. Because Pharaoh's daughter doesn't want her to die. Don't miss this. Look at verse 9. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her. No, let's begin verse 8. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her. Don't miss this. Take this child away. Look what it says. Who's, who's this? This is Moses' mother being talked to by Pharaoh's daughter about her son, Moses. And Pharaoh's daughter says, Take this child away and nurse it for me. Look what she says. And I will give thee thy wages. Do you see that? Understand something. Because Moses had a father and a mother who Hebrews 11 tells us would not subdue themselves to fear, but by faith saw they had a proper child, saw they had a goodly child, said, I don't care what the world says, I don't care what Pharaoh says, we're going to have a family, we're going to raise kids for God, we're going to let God take care of us, we're going to trust in God. And they went through it. Now here's the thing, when all the other Hebrews are having their children put to death, Moses' mother is being paid by the Egyptians to watch and nurse her own child. Do you understand how Amazing that is. When all the other women are having their children killed, she's getting paid to raise her child. You know what that says to me? We serve an amazing God. She's getting paid for something she'd do for free. For something she'd love to do. God says, not only am I going to use the river that they wanted to use to kill your child, to deliver your child, not only am I going to use the Egyptians that they wanted to kill your child, to deliver your child, I'm going to have the Egyptians pay you money to do it. And today, we walk around saying, can God take care of us? Hey, and the most, but here's the difference. By faith, they walked. They said, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what Pharaoh says. I'm not going to fear, and I'm not going to let the world just spin me out of control. I'm going to just serve God, love God. Look what happens, verse 10. We said, number one, look, I want you to see Moses' parents. I said, number two, I want you to see Moses' protection. I said, number three, I want you to see Moses' payment. Number four, I'd like you to see Moses' people. Moses' people. Verse 10, the Bible says, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren, and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said unto him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this is... No, now I want you to understand something, okay? You know, often we'll read this passage and we'll look down on Moses for killing someone and I'm not advocating killing. Obviously he was wrong. You know, oftentimes people will say, you know, the Bible says he looked this way and he looked that way, but he forgot to look this way. 
Because he killed this man, he threw him in the sand. I'm not advocating that was a sin, that was wrong. That speaks for eternal security, that Moses could kill a man, and the Bible says he was still righteous, the Bible says he was still a friend of God, the Bible says he was still a great man of God. But I I want you to understand something that amazes me. Who raised Moses most of his life? Pharaoh's daughter. How long did Moses' parents have him? Well, we know they had him for three months. But that was this. Right? I know, I just said that because it was funny. No, but we know he had him for three months. And then we know that they had him. Now listen, they had him while they were nursing him. Okay? How long does it take to nurse a child? Now today, you know, people nurse their kids for like two weeks. And then put them on formula. But, you know, to properly nurse a child, even, even today, it takes like two years. You know? We know that in Bible... I mean, there are countries right now that aren't all into, you know, Burger King like we are, that women will nurse their children until they're like four or five years old. And, and I, you know, we don't know exactly how long, but we know, let's say he was nursed at least, we know at least a year, probably two, three years, maybe even up to five years. Let's just say they had Moses for two to three years of his, uh, uh, of his, of his life. Two to three years. And then Pharaoh's daughter had him from three till he was a grown man. And the Bible tells us that in verse 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, so he was a grown man, he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. I want you to understand something. They had this child when he was a baby, maybe two or three years. And that influence of his children, of the of mom and dad was so great that even when he was taken away and he was raised in the schools of Egypt, in the house of Pharaoh, all of his, what we would think the years that he's very conscious, four, five, 10, 15, 13, till he was a grown man. All those years, he was raised in Egypt. And the Bible tells us when he was a grown man, he left there and he identified himself with God's people. Let me tell you something. The most formative years of a child's life are the years when they are zero, one, two, three, four years old. Those are the most formative years of a child's life. I honestly believe in those years is when you set that child up to be a Christian, to fear God. To, and I'm not saying you can, you know, you can live for, you know, you can obviously get saved as an older age. I'm not, praise God for it. But it's a lot harder. You get that Bible, you say, why do you have Bible time with your two-year-old? Maybe because I'm trying to raise a Moses. Maybe because those are the years where, you know, even you say, aren't you afraid that maybe someday the government might take your children away? I, I would hope that would never happen, and if that happens, I mean, there'd be a huge fight that comes through that. But let me tell you something. I honestly believe, if they took my children away right now, that they would still love God. And they would still, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The formative years. Moses was raised by his children, by his parents when he was just a little child. And he grew up and said, I identify with the burdens of my, tro- of my people. He said, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm a Hebrew. And he identified enough to the place where he would kill someone. Let me show you, go back to Hebrews 11. Go back to Hebrews 11, while you go there. Remember the story of uh, Daniel? Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
Remember that they were, they were children that were taken out of their homes in Israel, and they were taken to uh, wicked uh, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, and those children were raised there from a very young age, and those men still grew up and lived for God, and took a stand for God, and went to the lion's den, and went to the fire furnace, and took a stand. Why? Because the most formative years of a child's life are when they're tiny, when they're little babies. That's when you teach them to love God. To, to love their family, to love their country, to love their people. But you know what the sad part is? That is usually like Pharaoh's daughter when people hand their children off to be raised by unbelievers. So what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about daycare. I'm talking about when they're one years old is when they go to the world and say, here, you raise them. I'm going to go work. You say, you're, you're crazy, Pastor. No, you're crazy. You think I'm going to let my children be raised by somebody? When, when you say, well, they're, gonna, they're not raising them. They're just watching them. Who watches them longer in the day? Who has them the most amount of time in the day? I mean, and that's why, by the way, that's why we don't send our kids to public school either. Because you send your kids over to the government education. And by the way, that's why we don't send our kids to Christian school. That's why we don't send our kids to any school. Why? Because I, God gave me that child. And when God gave me that child, and God gave my wife that child, school, whoever, and they have them for 40 hours a week, you pick them up at 5 p.m., you know, feed them drive through come home, watch TV for three hours, and then put them to bed, and you think you're raising your children? No, someone else is raising your children. Let me tell you right now. And then we wonder why, I wonder why my kids aren't living for God. Maybe because they were ever raised to live for God. They were raised on Sesame Street. They were raised on Barney and Friends. They were raised by parents that love God. And I'm, like, I'm just trying to tell you something. If you've got young children, or you train your kids and say, hey, you, you raise those kids. You love those kids. Even if it's hard. Even if, you don't think it's hard today to have a single income family? Let me tell you something. The society is, society is developed against this type of Christianity. The society today is made so that a, a, a dad can't go work and provide for his family. He needs his wife to go work. You say, well, Pastor, uh, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm just going to trust God. By faith? Well, isn't it kind of tough with the pressure? And, 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 and you can't... How are you going to... I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll just work 14 hours a day. And maybe I'll just pastor a church on the side. And maybe I'll still try to raise my kids. And maybe I'll just trust God. And let God deal with it. And let God do it. You say, well, right, well your, your quality of life. We'll eat beans and rice. It doesn't matter. We will raise our kids. Why? Because you don't know what you have. See, here's what you're going to understand. And, and we'll go back to Hebrews 11. Let me show you something perfect. And here's, here's where Moses is highlighted in the Bible. One of the times he's highlighted in the Bible. And it's the time that we look down on him. When he's killing an Egyptian, and, and we should look down. You know, that's wrong, obviously. But that's the time frame that God's talking about right here. Look at uh, Hebrews 11. Look at verse 23 again, that's talking about his parents. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, look what it says, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather 
to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, and he endured as seeing him with him. That's who, that's who these people raised. A man who said, I have it all. I'm the prince in the most powerful, richest country in the world. And the Bible says he forsook, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's who was raised. In the most stressful time to bring a family up. When others would say, give me those birth control pills. We can't have children. We can't raise children in this world. This man and this woman said, we're just going to trust God, we're just going to love God, we're just going to, by faith, raise a family. And who did they raise? One of the greatest men in the Bible. And let me tell you something. Let me just tell you one more point. We're done. We're, we're, I have something else I want to show you, but I won't. But let me explain something to you. Oftentimes I hear people say this. America, you know, America is going down, and America is going down the tubes. America is headed to hell. There's judgment. We understand that. But let me tell you something. In this family, the pressure of this country was so strong in attack on the family. And it's the same way in our country. But let me explain something to you. You say, well, how, how much does it... What, what, Pastor, what do you think we need to make a difference? Well, let me ask you this. The children of Israel were all enslaved. Their children were being killed. None of them were, had liberties. None of them had freedom. And how many of them did it take to bring spiritual freedom to this nation. I mean, when God, and we're going to get this into this next chapter in Exodus, but when God said, I am looking for a person or persons to deliver my people, you notice, He didn't ask for an army. He didn't ask for a military. He, didn't, he looked for just one person. You say, what does it take to change the flow of a country? To take change the flow of a nation, to bring revival, to bring liberty, to bring freedom. You say, Pastor, how many of us do we need? And look, we need as many as we can get. I'm not against that. We need everyone we can get. But let me tell you something. If no one wants to serve God, all God needs is one. All God needs is one man who'll say, I'd rather suffer the afflictions of the people of God than to endure the pleasures of sin for a season. That's all it takes. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, the Bible says, God said, I sought for a man among them that would build up the hedge and tear, you know, and tear down the wall. And, the, and the, the sad part of that verse is at the end he says, but I found none. He says, I couldn't even find one. See, that's all God needs is one. Say, Pastor, what does God need in, in, uh, to, to change my family around? All he needs is one person. Pastor, can I, can I raise children? When, when my spouse doesn't want to live for God, all God needs is one. Say, well, well I, can I really raise children for, for, for God if my spouse doesn't No, God just needs one. Well, well, can, I, can I really make a difference in our community? Can I really make a difference in our family? Can I really make a difference in my work environment? Can I really make a difference? No. See, God doesn't, he doesn't need an army. He'll take an army if he has an army. But he doesn't need an army. He just needs one person that'll stand up and say, Hey, I'm here, God. You can use me. Say, Pastor, can you really just use one? I think you can. He used one. 
Moses. And he brought Aaron along and said, Aaron, you do all the talking because Moses is a stutter. And he said, he said, but Moses, I'm going to use you. But see, here's what you're saying. You say, man, I'd love, wouldn't it be great if we had a Moses? But here's the thing. Moseses don't happen by mistake. They're not raised like that by accident. It's on purpose when they're just a little child. Someone says, that's a proper child. That's a goodly child. I think God's going to use that child. Well, don't you know that the law is that that child's supposed to die at the river? I know. But I think God's going to use them. And, they even, and God will even use the river to deliver that child. God will even use the Egyptians to deliver that child. God will even allow the Egyptians to pay you to raise that child. And if you believed in that God, there, this, this pressure would come off your life. See, I, I believe in a God that's going to allow me to raise my kids the way that God tells me to raise them. Even in a world where it doesn't make sense. Even in a world where it doesn't work. Even in a world where you look at the finances and say, that doesn't make any sense. Your wife is going to have to go get a job. And I'll say, no, God will take care of it. You say, But I know this, my faith. Hey, Pastor, I don't have children. I know, but here's the thing. You can apply it to any area of your life. I wonder how many things we don't accomplish because we're too scared. And if we would just say, by faith, I'll take that step. Hey, God, by faith, I will start that business. Hey, God, by faith, I, I, I will do that. Hey, God, by faith, I, I will be a soul owner. Hey, God, by faith, I will read my Bible. Hey, God, by faith, I will go ahead and talk to my family and talk to my coworkers. Hey, children. Maybe you're not there in your life, but there's something that God wants you to do. And the devil has put a pressure that makes you say, I'm scared to do that. And if you would just say, by faith, God, I'm going to follow through. I just honestly believe that God would let you succeed. And that God would see you through. But you know why we don't raise Moses? Because we're too scared to. And we let the devil tell us, you can't do it. Imagine if Noah would have said that. And Noah could have said that. Noah could have said, the world's too far gone, I can't raise children. And he actually could have said that, and it would have been true. Because God wanted to kill everybody. But isn't it amazing? Moses, I mean Noah, had three sons and still managed to find three godly daughters for his sons. How do you do that? I don't know. Maybe by faith. Just don't, don't let the world scare you. That's the whole point of tonight. Don't let the world scare you. Don't let them put pressure on you. Don't let you just say, hey, whatever, the world's falling apart, the economy's bad, the politicians are all crooked, everyone's a liar, whatever, I'm just going to live for God. I'm just going to live for God. And you say, well, how? By faith. That's how. By faith. That's what, this is the commentary for this chapter. Hebrews 22. By faith, 23. Moses, when he was born, was in three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you'd help us to be motivated by faith. Lord, I'm just afraid that we accomplish so little 
because we attempt so little. Lord, we stop ourselves. We stop ourselves from being successful and we stop ourselves from doing great things. And we let the world put pressure on us and tell us, no, you can't do that. And what to God, we just have a Christianity that will say, yes, the pressure is hard. But I'm just going to continue to live my life the way God wants me to do it, and God will take care of it. Lord, if we, if we could just get that, we'd be so successful in our lives. Lord, if I could just get that, I would be so successful in my life. I pray you'd help us to understand the concept tonight in your precious name. I pray. Amen.